This is the Ezra Podcast. And this is the post fight for Jermel Charlo versus Brian Castano, number two. In a fight that Jermel Charlo fights, to me, the fight that I thought he was going to fight. The fight that I knew he needed to fight to win this fight. To have the, the dominant performance that I knew that he could have in this fight. And I think that... um. What I saw from the first fight, that I thought Castano fought his best fight in that fight. I thought that that was the perform the best it was going to get for him in that in uh, out of out of in a fight with Jamal Charlo. And I thought Jamal Charlo definitely had way more room to improve or way more room to adjust, and he had way more abilities than I thought showed in that fight. Now sometimes the trainer and the fighter need to see the style of Castano, right? And remember that Castano didn't have really a major win going into this fight. So I'm going to go over Brian Castano's uh, resume going into. A Jamal Charlo fight. So, because right now we we, we kind of judging it off of the first Jamal Charlo Castano fight, but going into that, Jamal uh, Castano has never really shown that he was really the level of Jamal Charlo or had anything to, to you know win to go back and be like, that's the fight. This is the guy. This guy's gonna be our toughest fight to date. He's better than all the guys we fought before. He, he didn't really have that. He he came off a of Patrick Tix, uh, Patrick Tixera win, who would be Adamus, which was a surprising win for Patrick Patrick Tixera. and then. Castano was sent over to uh, fight for on Golden Boy to fight for that title. He got the title. That's how he got the Jamal Charlo fight. He beats Wally Amatoso. That's a Lucky Boy. Way past Lucky Boy's prime. Lucky Boy had a very short prime. And uh, so like when he fought Jesse Vargas, I would say like when he was at his absolute best. That was many years ago. That was on the undercard of Timothy Bradley uh, Rolnikoff. So... Many years ago, before Wally, when all, Wally almost uh, wonder, Lucky Boy was at his very best, so this wasn't a prime Lucky Boy. So Lucky Boy with thirty four losses. Then he fights a uh, Lara, right, and he gets a draw in that fight. A lot of people felt that he won that fight, but it was still a very close and competitive fight. This is at, right after Laura had just been beaten by Jared Hurd, right. So this is after a Laura that just went through a, a vicious uh, fight with um, Hurd, where he got broken down and uh, you know defeated in that fight. And this is a Laura that doesn't have the same legs anymore. That you know what Laura was famous for, like was probably like a key part of his game was his legs. Definitely had to sit down, and that was what led to a really competitive and entertaining fight. He beats uh, Cedric Vitu before that at TKO in the twelfth. He has a um, split decision win over Michael Soro, who Soro, uh, you know, was just. Uh, beat pretty handedly in a fight previous. That was a little bit controversy. I believe they're going to get a rematch in it. But in that fight, he looked like he wasn't to the level of, um, I believe his nickname's The Dream. Israel, oh yeah, um, Madaroff. That's uh, that's The Dream. And he, he didn't look at to his level, right? And I'm not even sure how good Israel is. I, I have my doubts about him. I think he relies a lot on like his physical you know, gifts and stuff like that. But I think that, you know, at the higher level, it would definitely be exposed. But that that's was his previous fights, like previous five or six fights before that. So nothing had really shown that Brian Castano was going to be this um, elite level guy that he was going to be, you know, uh, Charlo's toughest test. And I don't think really Charlo thought that either. I think I thought Charlo was just going to go. I think Charlo thought that he was just going to go in there, fight his usual game plan, and eventually his power and speed would uh, end the night. And he, he, he came close maybe like a few times, but ended up in a lot tougher fight than he realized. And I think he had, Castano ended up being a lot tougher than he, maybe him or his camp really realized in that fight. 
So I, I knew that going in. So I knew that going into the second one, they, they saw these things. Then now he's ready. You know, he wasn't going to go into it like that. He was going to be uh, more ready for this this fight this time around. He was going to adjust, and they saw the things they could do. And I just couldn't see a lot of things that Kasano could change. Now, I did name a few things. Like, he could jab his way in a lot more in this fight. He didn't. He could uh, use his feints more when he got Trollo against the ropes. He didn't, right? So he didn't do those things. I didn't even think he was even as aggressive as he was before when in the first fight when he got Charlo against the ropes. I don't even think he was as good as he was in the first fight. Now, I think a lot of that has to do with what Charlo did, but I think a lot of people are saying that, you know, it was a good entertaining fight, competitive fight, but I don't think Kasano was better in this fight than he was in the first fight. No, he wasn't. I thought he was worse. I thought it was more of a one-sided fight. Of course, it ended in a stoppage, but even before that point, it was competitive, entertaining, but I thought that Charlo was clearly doing the better work, in my opinion, and his game plan was definitely being applied way better than Kasano's was. And I think that Castano honestly kind of was less effective than he was in the first one. But to me, he didn't add really anything. He didn't really add anything. It kind of seemed like, you know, he had the injury, but he also had a, seemed like he had to lose a lot of weight and cut weight in camp. Instead of, like, maybe improving his game, he was kind of just hoping to get back to where he was in the first fight. And Charlo was disciplined right and it, i was saying that his patience actually got him the stoppage in my opinion i thought his patience actually got him the stoppage because he hurt Cassano multiple times i thought in this fight let me go through the rounds i have so i gave one first round charlo second round charlo um i did start noticing in the second round that he started looping his shots which i which i said that he should be doing he should test Castano's guard because everything down the middle even if you're fast and you're powerful it's becomes predictable, and then you just like even if it's the fastest shots in the world, you just get used to that speed, and you not really have to worry. And in the first fight, Kasana really never had to worry about a distance where the shots are coming from. They were just coming straight down the middle. He didn't have to worry about that. His guard just stood the exact same place. Uh, third round, I give it to Kasana. That was a very close round. Um, Charlo finding discipline, Kasano finding his range, leading with the right hand. So he starts countering. He starts leading and then countering with the right hand over Charlo's jab. I started giving the fourth round to Charlo. I think Castano, uh, like I said, is not jabbing in. He's all footwork and foot and foot speed, uh, foot speed pressure, and that's really what it was. That's like all his pressure was just off his footwork and foot speed. It's not a bad thing, but it makes it really, you know, really hard to get offense going, right? Or like even when you start building momentum and pushing Charlo back, you're pushing him back in a defensive way. If you're just kind of coming in with foot speed and hand uh, and foot movement. Charlo is still able to punch, right? He's not worrying about what's coming at him. He just, you're getting closer in his range. Maybe that makes him uncomfortable, but he can still sit and punch off something. So in this round at the end, I thought Cassano got rocked. I thought he got rocked at the end of the fourth round and no one really talked about it. He kind of, uh, if you look, go back and look, he kind of stumbles to his corner. I, th I thought that kind of changed um, the fight too. I thought Cassano was kind of like, okay, well, because um, he really comes out in the next round. Like they really go all out. And I really think that Cassano Kind of knows, like, I just got to make something happen here. I can't. He's not going to break like the last one. He's not going to get in the bad position as much as it was in the last one. Uh, gave him, gave Charles the next two rounds. Um, then in the, I gave Charles the seventh round as well. I thought that he's boxing very cleanly. He even, you know, at points of this fight, he even holds. Like, he even wraps up Castano. He really kind of does only for one round, but it was very important. There's nothing I called out for. It's like, not, don't be afraid to be boring I, at points in this fight. Right, so don't be afraid of that. Uh, choose where you want to where you want to attack, and he holds uh, Castano a few rounds. He hurts Castano in the seventh round, really bad. In the, the next round, I give it to Castano, but I do notice that there's he's a, he's getting slower. He's not not as much on his shots, very little on his shots. Everything's kind of being pushed, even though he outworked Charlo in that round. I still can see that he's deteriorating in this fight. 
next one, I have a close round. I give it to uh, Castano again. I think uh, Charlo dominates at distance, but he gets worked on the inside. And the thing with Charlo is, he, to me, he didn't jab enough in this fight. You know, all the positive things I'm going to say about Charlo, there were still things that I saw that he needs to jab more. He does. I guess especially against pressure guys like this, he has the ability, he has the speed, has the power in his shots. He needs to jab more. He needs to be more active with his one-twos at distance as well. He, he can't stare. Sometimes he was staring at at uh, Castano. So Castano, I, I tell you, he's slowing down, right? He's doesn't have the same uh, energy, doesn't have the same speed, doesn't have the same power, but he still ends up winning rounds just by outworking uh, Charlo in the inside. But I can see him falling off the cliff here. The next round, he gets stopped. Right? In the 10th round, he gets... Uh, Stopped in the fight. Uh, Charles' best performance, I think, to date. It just, um, it was really complete. It was really like the, one of his most complete performances that I've seen in a while. Like, that doesn't mean that there wasn't flaws. There was flaws. Like, he wasn't, wasn't jabbing enough. I do want, do think he needs to jab more, right? Uh, consistently, especially like a guy gets like Fedora or um, Zoo. Now, whether you think that those guys are as good as Cassano or can put that kind of pressure on Charlo. Or withstand the power. Um, I don't know. That, that's that's to be figured out later. But still, you know, the one thing is that those guys are like taller and longer than Castano, right? So at range, it doesn't. They don't need to be that much inside to really get going. So Charles is going to have to really dictate with his jab in those fights. I really think that that's key. I think he could have dominated this fight even more than he actually did. I mean, he did to me. Like he clearly won a course. I thought he was pulling away in the scorecards. But I thought that he really could have shut out Castano like where Castano didn't even have a chance. It wasn't even competitive. He just jabbed on the outside more and just kept him more active. He, he didn't, but everything else was good. And his counter left hook was excellent. He was more picky on the inside. He was uh, more balanced. He wasn't uh, overreacting with his defenses or his reaction. So everything to me, I thought like was an improvement. It was just an amazing performance by Charlo. I always had him in my top 10. Um, he was number 10, though, in my pound for pound. He moved up all the way to uh, number five. So let me um, let me pull this up real quick. Oh, actually, let's see here, I have the picture right here. Okay, well, this is the old one, but I pulled. Okay, so I have a uh, Jermel Charlo at number five. I dropped Estrada and everybody else back one. So I have him right below Spence. I have right. I'm sorry, right below Canelo. Spence and Inouye and number one is still Usyk. Um, I don't want to hear anything about Jermel uh, ducking anyone as far as uh, Tim Zhu or even Fundora. He just cleared out the guys that were in his weight class in this run. He cleared it out. Now, there's always going to be a new challenger. That's what you get to realize. This is my whole complaint with like David Benavides when it comes to Canelo 168. Now, I do believe that fight will happen, but... To say that uh, the run that Canelo won, uh, won didn't make him the best 168 pounder, and he starts to settle it with David Benavides. At that point, when Canelo won, he was the best 168 pounder. To me, at this point, he's still the best 168 pounder because no one's proven otherwise, and no one's even come close to proving otherwise. No one has proven otherwise that Jamal Cheller isn't the best uh, 154 pounder. Okay, he just cleared out all the guys that were in that run. Now, there's always going to be new challengers. That doesn't mean you're ducking anyone. If he wants to take a tune-up, he wants to go to 160, whatever he wants to do, he's fine to do it because he just proved his point. I don't want to hear anything about dodging or there's, there's always going to be a guy. Okay, look at right now with Terrence Crawford and Earl Spence. They're going to fight each other. Those are the two guys we've been begging to fight each other. We The two guys that we agreed the winner of that will be the best 147. Well, look at Boots coming. 
Boots might be able to beat both of them. Are we going to say that one of them is ducking Boots when they fight after they fight each other? No, we can't do that because they fight all the guys that were in that point for these years. They cleared all the guys out. Now they're going to fight each other. Besides Keith Thurman, but he, he affected that in his own way too. But they cleared out basically everyone, right? Those two fight each other. That's number one at 147. I'm sorry. Now Boots, from that point, right, then this starts a whole new thing, right? This is a whole new thing. And then Boots from right there can earn his spot. And then after a few fights, we could say, okay, it's time to fight these guys. If they choose to stay at that weight class, they get a tune-up, uh, they get a tune-up fight or a, you know, a homecoming fight, whatever they get at that point, it, it's going to take time. And then Boots can start making the claim like, okay, this is up, you know, they're, they're going to stay at the weight class. Then we can start talking about that. But the guy that win that fight is the best guy. Jamal Cholo is the best guy at 154, okay? Everybody else has to now re- start building their own thing to challenge that. And if he goes, leaves the weight class, he's not ducking anyone. If he chooses to get a tune-up for that, he's not ducking anyone. Okay, he proved his point. There's always going to be another guy coming up. But that doesn't mean this guy's ducking. A lot of times it just means you, uh, you know, a lot of people forget that Floyd at the end, there was Keith Thurman, there was Porter, there was, um, you know, even like Terrence Crawford. There was guys coming up, the young guys, but that when Floyd has to keep going, Keep, keep going, keep knocking all these young guys out. No, that's not the way it works, okay? So, I do expect Jamel to stay at 154. I don't think there's a lot for him at 160. A lot of people ask him to go 160 and join the prison that Jamal is in. Um, I, I, that, the only thing comparable to that, right, if Jamal did that, would be Prison Break, the show Prison Break, where the guy joins a prison and you're like, what are you doing in this prison? Why'd you come here, right? That's exactly what Jamal would say, Jamal. Why would you come here? Because 154 is about to be stacked. I think 154 could be one of the most stacked. I think 154 could be like extremely top heavy in about a year and a half. It could be the most stacked, as far as talent-wise, the most stacked division. I think that we will have, after the Spence-Crawford fight, I think they both move up. I think Jamal stays there. I think Fondora is still coming up. I think Tim Zoo's... Tim Zhu will still be there. I think Boots will eventually be there. I think Virgil Ortiz is going to eventually be there. And then you can't tell me that there's a weight division with more talent. I think 154 might get all the fights. The other fights besides Crawford Spence that we want to see, I think they're all going to be at 154. I also wouldn't be surprised if we see um, Thurman go there to get these fights. But yeah, I don't want to hear anything about Jamal. Uh, ducking or all that nonsense I'm, I'm, I'm not i'm not here to hear that i did want to go over ranking the all undisputed champions in the four belt era um i'll pull this up behind me too as well just in case you're watching you can listen to this on spotify apple and i have it on youtube now as well just so you know whatever's easiest for you okay so we have number one right i have uh let me make sure i'm on the same one you guys are at number one i have Usyk. i think he has the best uh, undisputed run of the four bout era he has Galaki, Bredis, uh, Gassiev. All those guys are proven at that weight class. They're all tough challenges. They all have notable wins. He goes through all three of them to get his undisputed, um, uh, undisputed at um, cruiserweight. I think that's a hell of a run. I think that's the best of any undisputed champion of the four bout era. Number two, I'm gonna go Hopkins. Now he has Mercado, Trinidad, Holmes, and Delahoya. If Delahoya was a natural in his natural weight class, like a 154, 147, you know, a weight class that he was actually proven at, Hawkins would pass Usyk because Delahoy had to move up. Keith Holmes never, uh, was never like a, uh, it's not even a notable win. Mercado's not a notable win. Felix Turner, of course, is probably uh, Hawkins' best win. That's why he's at number two. 
Delahoya with the skill level and everything, he still at 160, still a very tough fight, still a very good win. That's why I have Hawkins number two. Jermaine Taylor number three, I think this is a controversial one. He beat Bernard Hawkins. Okay, let's go. Well, I'll go through all the ones before it, but Bernard Hawkins is, uh, look, he's number two on the list. He's an all time great. At that point, even though he was 40 years old, you got to remember Hawkins goes on to fight till he's 50 and at a very high level, like really up until that point, right? So you, even though he's 40 years old, uh, he's at like really his best, and Taylor beats him. And twice, too. I mean, some people close. I mean, close to controversial, whatever it is. It was a close fight. It was a close fight. I don't think you can flaw anyone for judging, uh, scoring it for uh, for Taylor. I don't think you could flaw any. You know, there was a case for Hopkins to win that fight, especially because he made a late run in that first fight. Um, you know, close fights are, you know, it goes, it's got to go one way, right? Well, if close fight's going to go one way, I'm going to take away a win because you have a close fight or take away a loss because it's a close fight. I'm not about that. That's a controversial, uh, that's a thing that I've been seeing on boxing Twitter. A lot of people trying to, like, take away wins that are close fights or take away losses that are close fights. I'm not about to do that. That was an excellent win by Jermaine Taylor. At number four, I have Josh Taylor. He has uh, Branchek, Regis Progress, and Jose Ramirez. That's a hell of a run. Regis Progress isn't the most proven guy. Branchek isn't the most proven guy. Doesn't have any notable wins. That's why this thing kind of dropped for me. I think Regis Progress is very talented. I think that this can... These win, this win could really increase if he actually does something, but it's not very proven. So I'm going off the eye test. I think he's a very talented fighter. That's why I have him, and that's why I have this at number four. Jose Ramirez is more proven, a uh, very good fighter as well. I think, like I said, these both these wins can age a lot better going forward. So we'll see. Canelo, I have number five. That's Rocky Fielding, Callum Smith, Billy Joe Saunders, and Caleb Plant. Now none of these guys are, are killers, especially Rocky Fielding, uh, Kim Smith. Kind of proven, almost not even a notable win for Canelo. I have him like just at the end of the list, barely making it. But he could either fall off or he could increase too, if you know, depending on what he does at 175. Billy Joe Saunders, you know, he has more notable wins. They're all at 160. Um, they're not great notable wins, but they're notable wins. Uh, Caleb Plant has really only one notable win. I think he is a talented fighter. I do think that he will have more notable wins going forward. But, you know, that's not the best uh list of opponents i would say and number six i have terence crawford thomas delorme postal and in in uh in dongo um in dongo you know right place right time more of a situation never was a very high level fighter in my opinion uh Th- thomas delorme you know at that point was it all right win i guess but it really aged poorly going forward uh, and Postal never really has a big win. Uh, he's, he's a good fighter, talented fighter, but he never has a big win against a really good guy. I did think Postal beat Jose Ramirez. I would score for him, but it's a close fight, and it went Jose Ramirez's way. Postal's biggest win is what, Matisse, I believe? Yeah, I, I don't um, I don't think this is a great run. Uh, this is why, you know, we put a lot of emphasis on these belts, right, and what they mean, and you know, because a guy comes undisputed, suddenly, you know, he should be in your pound for pound. It's like, it really depends who you beat. Not all disputes are created equal. Now, where does Jamel Charlo rank in this? I have him at number four. Jamel Charlo is number four ahead of Josh Taylor. Um, I have him bef- uh, in back of Jermaine Taylor, Hopkins, and Usyk. I think that there's, depending on what Castano does going forward, um, there could be a possibly an argument that he could pass Jermaine Taylor. And I know that Jermaine Taylor's spot at three is controversial. I know that's not um I know that's not a, a popular pick, I don't think, or I think that's one that could probably be argued against it. I I definitely hear all the arguments against it. But I just think Bernard Hawkins is like 
a really, you know, it's a Hall of Famer, all-time great fighter, uh, a true legend at middleweight. And I just think that if you get a win over him, it, it, even if, he, if guys have like, you know, four competitive fights uh, against good opponents, an all-time great like that really puts you on top of the list. So I have Jermaine Chil- I have a uh, Jamal Charlo number four in the, um, you know, best four uh, undisputed champion in the four bouter, best run to get that. Imuda number five, my pound for pound. So I, I Jamal Charlo, whatever he does next, I think he's going to have a lot of. I think he's have some good options. I think Fundora's a good option. I think uh, Zoo's a good option. He could wait for one of these guys to move up. As far as Spencer Crawford. Uh, Boots is going to be coming soon. There's a lot of interesting choices there. You know, even maybe Keith Thurman, right? Maybe call to get Keith Thurman to come up to 154. That's an interesting fight. Him and Keith Thurman. Uh, I don't mind that at all. That's kind of just coming to my head right now. And I'm just like, but to be fair, I kind of throw Keith Thurman in any fight where like a guy needs a big fight. Cause I even don't want tank to fight Keith Thurman. So maybe that's just, you know, Keith Thurman is just that kind of guy that fits that kind of role. But Keith Thurman at 154 is interesting. What about a homecoming fight against a uh, Danny Garcia? I mean, Dan Garcia is a name he could sell, and he wants to fight at 154. And Dan Garcia seems to always get, you know, these big opportunities for some reason. I'm guessing that's because he sells, so why not get him and Jamel Charlo, right? Why does Jamel Charlo have to go and fight Fondora or one of these guys? Let them get one more win. Let uh, Zoo fight Harrison. Let Fondora fight Castano, right? Castano wants to get back. I'm sure he wants to get back right in the thick of it. And I think that even a third fight with Castano is not ridiculous. I don't think that that's a ridiculous sell, especially with, you know, the whole story in the background, those have been damn good entertaining fights. So you can't really say, you know, and it's not like these are all pay-per-view fights. They're like free fights on Showtime. You know what I mean? So it's not like, oh, how are you going to get people to buy? People are going to watch. If that fight's free on Showtime, people will watch. So we did, uh, I did want to talk about, I think I kind of talked about, about Castano, right? Um, Castano, I think is, is he's getting slightly uh, overrated. And I think that he's had two X, you know, two Good performances. I think this one's been it was a little bit less of a performance than the first one. I think the first performance was, I think Castano really at his highest level. I think this performance he kind of fell off a little bit more. I thought um, it was definitely more one side. Like I said, he got stopped in it, but I think a lot of people are giving him a lot of credit for this fight, and it's suddenly like his stock is rising uh, almost in a way. And I think it's just kind of interesting because a lot of people are saying like he beats everyone else at one fifty four. Because he had a competitive fight with Jamal Charlo. That's not really how things work, though. Because guys have competitive fights with guys all the time that aren't really, you know, the highest level. Like, okay, he had a split decision with Soro. So does Soro beat everyone else? Because he had a split decision fight with him, right? Um, he had a draw with Lara. Does that old version of Lara beat everyone? Like Fundora, um, Zoo, Harris, Tony Harrison? Right now, that version of Lara. And... 2019 does he beat everyone else he it doesn't really work that way so we're trying to i understand he had a really good fight with a very good champion so you want to he must be at that level and it's like no he's got to prove it still i don't i still think him and fondora is a 50 50 fight i would favor him over zoo right now i, t- I want to see more from zoo i think we're judging zoo too much off his last performance where he was dominant but i think he could do more and i think him versus tony harrison would be able to show that right i think that would be a very excellent fight for one of them to come out of there i think they would have a very good case to fight jamal charlo next but i think we're overrating a little bit of castano and there's the thing that happens and i think that i have a little bit of of an ex, a good example of something that happened this past weekend um where we overrate guys that are overperforming or uh you didn't expect to perform that way because they didn't have the hype behind them and then you we underrate we uh, underrate guys like Canelo or Ryan Garcia or 
hell, even Charlo or anyone with a name, like Tank Davis, anyone with a name, you start judging them with like under a microscope. So you're overly critical for them. And then the other guys, you're overpraising. And then suddenly they're like at the same level. It, it's very interesting. This happens. And then, like, and then people like, when you're talking about them, they're kind of like at the same level. You, people might think it's ridiculous, but here's an example, right? Uh, Cepeda for Golden Boy, who, you know, came out of nowhere and had some good performances, right? And then suddenly he was like, oh, this is the guy. Why does Golden Boy get behind him? Why are they getting behind Ryan Garcia? He pulls out of fights, right? And then now Ryan Garcia, who dominates a fight, his last fight, and was it the most impressive performance? Well, I mean, I guess it kind of just really depends because people expect so much from Ryan Garcia and he usually knocks people out cold. That 12 owing someone who's people are saying that, you know, is in the top 10 isn't enough, right? But Cepedo, who fights a guy that in Rene Alvarado, who's moving up, uh, coming off three losses, definitely slowing down. I think uh, everyone would agree with that. He has a, a damn competitive fight, like a damn competitive fight. And at the end of it, you know, it could go either way, really, in the scorecards. And people are like, you know, like, if that were Ryan Garcia in that fight with Rene Alvarado, I mean, he'd be getting killed, honestly. If that performance would not be getting any credit, people would be saying that he's getting exposed. But when Cepeda does it, it's almost like, look at the toughness between these two guys. Um, and I, I even kind of saw like someone hinting that uh, Rene Alvarado and Cepeda would beat uh, Ryan Garcia. And I think Ryan Garcia, honestly, if he fought Rene Alvarado, would put him out with within the first three rounds. I think from what I see in Cepeda, I think he puts out Cepeda. But it's because... Cepeda wasn't expected much of. Now he's getting overrated. And Ryan was expected a lot of, or he's more famous. So he's under a microscope. And it's almost making it as if they're in a level playing field. That's kind of screwing up people's takes and the way they're breaking down the, uh, these fighters in a way. And I seen it when Canelo lost that he was really heavily criticized for, um, in that loss, which, I mean, he lost one sided. There's no doubt about it. But he's still the king at 168. I mean, he had proven that. But now it was like everything at 168 was up in the air now. Right. Like and everything he had done before was like kind of up in the air. And it was like all these close wins he had were now uh, we were almost talking about if they were losses. I think we have to be very, you know, these little things you have to catch that happen and they will happen over in time and time again. Pay attention to it. Right. Pay attention to a guy that doesn't have the hype behind him. And when he starts having a little bit of success, he's really going to get overblown. And look at a guy like Ryan Garcia or even look at Haney Tank. Look at all these guys. Now they have the hype behind them now. Right. There's attention to them. Like look at Shakur. Like Shakur dominated Valdez suddenly it's like, is he afraid to get hit? It's like, well, he doesn't have to get hit. I mean, I don't think it's afraid of being hit, but if I would say this, and I've boxed before. If you don't have to get hit, I would recommend it. I would recommend not getting hit. It's it's not a great feeling. You know what I mean? It's not the... I, I never went in a fight and was like, can't wait till this guy punches me square in the nose. I, I really didn't. I never went in a sparring session. I only went in one fight, but I only went in a sparring session like, oh yeah, I want this guy to light my nose up. That's what I'm here for. No, 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 no. I would love to just not be hit. It's a game to hit and not get hit, not get hit. People forgetting that. So it's funny how the, the criticism and some guys for not, not for others. And it kind of comes for like who has more hype or who has a microscope on them. Uh, last thing I want to go about. And I was kind of talking about this earlier is, you know, titles are meaningless. Uh, Jamel Charlo's run to undisputed is good because there's good competition in it. Right. And uh, by good competition, I mean, Tony Harrison, Rosario, Castano, um, Lubin, Trout, right? Those That's good competition in that run uh, to get to Undisputed. Now, our, it's not because he came Undisputed to me that I rate him so high or am so high on Jamal Charlo. Undisputed is just a name. Bouts are, are really meaningless because there's four of them. There's a lot of politics involved. And him being Undisputed, 
is that equal? So Devin Haney's going to win undisputed against Cambosos. Is that equal to what Jermel did? Right? If, if all the titles are all that matters and we should really put an importance into the titles, then Haney winning undisputed is the same equivalent to Jermel? Or no, it's the context of how he won it, right? Or who had the belts? Because not all weight classes are even created equal, right? Beating all the top guys at 115 pounds means a hell of a lot more than beating the top guys at 126. There's no arguing that to me. So we, we put all this um, emphasis on these belts when really it's the context of who has the belt. It's really who has the belt. The, the championship don't make no one. The person makes the championship. That's the way it works in boxing. If you're in the UFC and you have you know one belt and then the guy becomes champion, then it's, it's kind of hard to take away his credit because you're going to be like, well, he is the best guy. Now you would have to really look, you know, you could look into the division and everything, but he's the number one guy. There's no arguing it. In boxing, there's a lot of politics. To, you know, the belt ends up on the right promotional side. I'm, I'm sorry if, if Haney wins undisputed, that's, you know, that's cool to go, you know, on his uh, trophy case. But it, Cambosos is not Castano. He just isn't. He's not uh, Tony Harrison. He's not. Okay. He has a good win against. Um, he has a good win against. What am I blanking on uh, his name? Um, Tiafimo. But. Consistency over time, it really kind of shows, right? Um, I've seen him have really bad performances to me. I thought he lost to Shelby. So, I can't say, like, oh, that's a great win just because he has a belt. That, I'm sorry, it just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And because he has one good win, I mean, Marga beat Vernon Forrest. After Vernon Forrest beat Shane Mosley. Marga was never really a threat to anyone good ever again, really, from that point. Okay, so th- those things happen. I don't know if people remember, uh, Eric Morales lost to, uh, I believe his name was Zaire Rahim, right? I really outboxed in that fight. Like, really outboxed. Zaire Rahim really does go on. No one ever really brings him up after that. And anyone that beat him after that never really got like, oh, that was a great win. You know what I mean? So, I, I think that maybe we use it sometimes. People use it sometimes to favor, you know, one of their favorite fighters. Like, oh, look, this is going to be a good win because of this, this, and this. But, I mean, let's be honest. You know, Cambosa is not a better, won't be uh, enough to equal the run that Charlo did to get to Undisputed. Okay, so these belts, they're meaningless. The people that have them, that's what means something. Thank you guys. Uh, thank you guys for listening. I, like I said, you can hear this on Spotify, Apple, basically anywhere you can find uh audio podcast it's also on youtube please subscribe like comment all those good things so i can really build this up and keep it going uh i put a lot of effort into this i i, I want i want people to enjoy this i want people to come boxy fans off of this i want people to be excited for the fights because of this and really kind of build that following where like you kind of know what's happening next and you you're able to you know in football and the nba everybody's kind of knows what the storylines are or um and knows these fighters even the ones that aren't you know and knows all the players and stuff like that even the ones that aren't super famous in fighting i want that that's what i want for boxing that's what i want for ufc and mma and you know all over the brands but boxing especially um i want that so that's what i hope to bring here so thank you guys for listening it's been the Ezra podcast <laughs>